Thank you for all of you that are with us in worship attendance today. Thank you for being with us here at Highland Crest, not only to our regular church family, but if this is your first Sunday in worship service with us, we are really grateful that you've taken some time to to be with us. My name is Chad. I serve as a pastor here, and we love to know who is worshiping with us. I'm hoping that when you came in today, you picked up a bulletin, and you can find out a little information about who we are. And you'll also notice in that bulletin, there's a place off to the right that says Connection Card. It's got a perforated edge. And if you wouldn't mind taking some time as a guest to fill that out so we know who is with us today. And in exchange for that Connection Card, at the end of service, we have a welcome center as you came in, and they'd be delighted to give you a gift to say thank you for uh, worshiping with us here at Highland Crest and to give you something to remember us by. And as a church, uh, if there's any way that we can help uh, tell you about Jesus and who Jesus is and the work that he has done in our life and that is available to you, that is why we exist. And as a church today, if you're a guest, this is an unusual service for us because it's Baptismal Sunday And we are excited to see five men, five young men, that we all be getting baptized a little bit later in our service. And so we're going to change the order up a little bit. Often I'll preach near the end or the middle of the service, and I'm actually going to preach right now. (laughs) So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, I'm going to just interrupt our regular series. We've been working through the book of Jonah and working verse by verse through that book. But I would just like to highlight a passage that I think is very familiar to us, and that is found in the last chapter of Matthew. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, and we will look at verses 16 through 20 together. So Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. And allow me to read, beginning here in verse 16, where it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We always think it's a good idea for us to take some time to pray in our service, and oftentimes we'll pray throughout different portions of our service, but I'd like to take some time right now to pray for us as we've heard the Word of God read to us. Now let us prepare our hearts for what He would say to us as we just teach directly from what we have read. Would you join me? Father, we do thank You for bringing us again together this morning here at Highland Crest. Thank you for these songs that we could sing just enthusiastically and passionately. And may they be more than just words and melodies. 
But these words reflect lives that have been changed. And this passage that we have just read here underscores our mission as a church in every church that is trying to live out what the gospel has called us to do. So, Lord, as we look at these verses, help us to absorb them. We pray that you would speak to our hearts. And often we come in church and we are distracted. And potentially even there's some unconfessed sin. So would you just take some time now and search our hearts. And loved ones here this morning, I want to give you a moment to, to search your heart. Let the Spirit search your heart to see if there's any sin there that needs to be confessed. That you could confess it in preparation to repenting of it so that you can hear the word of God more clearly today. So take some time right now. And Father, there are things that we do that are sin, and sometimes there are things that we don't do that are sin. There are certain attitudes that are below the surface. Lord, we want to turn to you and confess these sins. And we, we receive the forgiveness that is offered through when Jesus died on the cross for us. And now, church family, why don't you just take some time in your own words, right there in your seat, just ask the Lord to give you an understanding of what he would have to say to you today in this message. Yes, Father, thank you for hearing our prayer. And now speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. What I appreciate about this passage of Scripture is it is a crescendo of the entire book of the book of Matthew as well as the Gospels. As we look here at this passage of Scripture, it is the culmination of the work of Jesus. And if you're familiar with the book of Matthew, and as a church family, we are reading through the scriptures together. And what I've appreciated about that reading plan is it has allowed us to go through at least one chapter of the Gospels every morning so far. Currently, we are reading in Matthew. And you might notice that there is a pattern of mountains. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, there's a mountain during his temptations. The greatest sermon ever preached was called the Sermon on the Mount or the mountain. Later on in the, the, the Gospel of Matthew, we see the Mount of Transfiguration. And this chapter closes with another mount we see here in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. There are eleven disciples because one of them had betrayed Jesus. And then the scriptures declare that when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And then we see here in verse 18 that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus offered these words. And if you have been reading through the Gospels with us, church family, you realize that Jesus has authority over sickness. He has authority over demons. He has authority over death and sin. And he even has authority to take his life and to bring it back up again. So he is making this claim as the God of all the universes that he has this authority. And it's with this authority and the power to empower us to obey this commission that he makes the following appeal to these 11 disciples that is now extended to us today 
in verse 19. He says, go, therefore, therefore, in light of the authority that I have and I am giving unto you, go, therefore, and make disciples. So let's spend some time now talking about what this means. This is what he has left to us as the church. It is this church that is not primarily about you having a group of friends that you are comfortable around. Mom and dad, it's not designed here for you to find some kids that will not get your kids into trouble. It's not even designed for you to feel better about yourself and your parenting and your marriage. The church, the New Testament church, is really about you taking on this commission to have your sins forgiven, to live out the destiny that God has for you, to find the pleasure of worshiping the one true God, and to share that message with others. We are instructed to go and to make disciples. This phrase in the Hebrew, or rather in the Greek, make disciples, is an interesting verb. It carries with it two meanings. One, to learn. The other, to believe. So it's intertwined, this learning and believing. We were instructed, as these 11 disciples were, to go out and to proclaim this message that you can live out what God has designed for you. To state it positively, God has made you in the image of God. You were created to worship Him. And you will find your ultimate satisfaction in living out this purpose. To state it negatively, hell is real. And no one taught more about hell than Jesus. And there are people all around us going to hell. And so we need to proclaim this message that people can be saved from their sins and not go to hell. So here's this pet message Jesus is proclaiming. It is your responsibility to go to make disciples. It was over 20 years ago when I came to Highland Crest, just fresh out of college. I had never belonged as a member to any church before. I didn't grow up in the church. And I remember taking an interest to this local church, and it was under Pastor Jim's just wonderful preaching, that I sensed, you know, I would like to be a member of Highland Crest. And I can remember Scott Phillips teaching that membership class. And in that particular time, there were three classes that met here in the auditorium. The membership class met right here in the middle. And then there seemed to be one over here and maybe one up here in the, in the choir loft. And I don't remember a lot of what Scott taught during that class. But I do remember one thing that he said, and I've never forgotten it. It had to do with Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. And he looked at us and he said to us, you know what? It is the pastor's responsibility not to do all the work of the ministry, but to equip the people within the church to do the work of the ministry. Scott, did you still teach that? Yes? Keep saying that, because that that made such an impact on me as a prospective church member, and certainly now today as pastor that it is our responsibility as leader not to do all the work of the ministry, but to equip you to carry out the work of the ministry. So I want to take some time throughout this message to give some updates on, on what we're doing as a church. Now, a lot of times I do this in business meetings, and I think I, I attempt to do a very thorough job, and the five or six of you that are there, I think you are informed. 
But there's a lot of people that don't come to that, so you don't hear this stuff. So how are we going to be making disciples? How are we going to be out sharing the gospel? In April and May, what I'd like to do is take our Bible study hour from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and for those two months, just turn that into some gospel training time. Now, how many of us have gone through some gospel training in the past? Probably many of us have, and probably multiple classes. Well, here is one, not necessarily the best, maybe not, not the newest, but it's just called the three circles of evangelism. And what I have found is that if we'll take four, six, eight straight weeks and just talk about evangelism and, and practice on one another and get excited about the opportunities that are around us, something begins to happen in a local church. It's possible we can catch fire and just get excited about seeing souls saved. You know, I think it was recently the Ford Motor Company rolled out the new Bronco. And maybe your perspective in thinking, I want to buy a Bronco. And, and up until that point, you look on the road, you look on the streets, and you don't see any Broncos at all. But once you say, I'm going to buy a Bronco, you start looking for them, and they are everywhere. And the same can be true when we're talking about evangelism. If we're spending every week practicing and learning and hearing about other people, sharing the gospel with one another, suddenly we see opportunities all around us. Why April and May? Because we tend to get out of the deep freeze here in Wisconsin, right? And it's there where we can get out warm and we can get out around grills and we can have people over and we can share the gospel with them. Why? Because people need to hear the truth. To state it positively so that they can live out what God has done for them through Jesus Christ. To state it negatively because people are going to hell. And as if we went through the book of Jonah, if God has a heart for the sinful city of Nineveh, would God not have a heart for Green Bay and De Pere and Pulaski and all the people around us? So if that's a little bit different, that's a little different format than what we're used to, you'll understand where I'm coming from. It's tied back to Matthew 28, verse 19. We are called to go and make disciples. The second part, what do we do? What do we do when they become disciples? What do we do when they become followers of Jesus and they've submitted their lives? They've received the grace of God and they've been forgiven. And now they say, we want you to be Lord. The next part we see here in this passage, after they have trusted Christ, it says, baptize them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Last year, in the year 2020, we worked through the book of Acts. We preached through this, and I was particularly uh, clued in. I wanted to see how is it that this church, this early church, would carry out this instruction to go out and make disciples of all nations. And we found a familiar pattern. They would go out, and they would proclaim the message of Jesus. Not everyone responded, but there were some that did. And once they did, they were baptized. Then they were discipled. They were taught the things of Jesus. You remember the familiar pattern in Acts chapter 2, the first sermon that was preached. There were 3,000 souls that were converted, and immediately, according to Acts chapter 2, verse 41, they were baptized. And in Acts chapter 8, there was the Ethiopian eunuch. And when God opened his eyes and he saw the truth of the book of Isaiah. He repented of his sins and his chariot was, was coming across the side and he saw some water. 
And he says, what would prevent me from getting baptized in Acts 8, verse 38? Or when Paul was converted and the blinders were removed from his eyes, what took place right after that? He was baptized. And in Acts chapter 10, verse 48, when Cornelius and his household were, were saved of their sins, Peter ordered them, commanded them to be baptized. Or in the church of Corinth in Acts 18, verse 18, those who trusted Christ were instructed to be baptized. And so we see here in the Great Commission that when a person becomes a disciple of Jesus, the first thing that follows is they get baptized. The order is really, really important. When we were serving in this church in Flint, Michigan, there was a wonderful man that I loved dearly. His name was Brian. He was a big man, 6'2", 6'3". And although he was lean, he was muscular. He had a little edge about him as well. One day I was doing a funeral for his sister-in-law, and a fight broke out right in the middle of that funeral service, and Brian was in the middle of it. And, and I, he was charging a guy, and I had my hand on his chest, and, and he was like a raging bull just charging after that other guy. And I said, Brian, you can't do that. This is a funeral service. And, and eventually he, he, he sat down. And now, he wasn't a believer, but one day God did a great work in Brian's wife, Kay's heart. And she trusted Christ. And, and she repented of her sins. And I remember the day, that Sunday morning, when she came in the doors in preparation to get baptized, and our church was celebrating that. But not only did she come in with a towel, here come Mr. Brian with a towel wrapped around his shoulders, and he said, Mr. Preach, I want to get baptized today. And I said, well, Brian, well, tell me about that. Well, I want to get a little closer with the man upstairs. And I said, well, Brian, before we go forward with this, let me, let's, just have a, let's just have a time of talking about this. And so we went into my office, and we talked about who is it that get baptized. And we walked through the gospel. The gospel is available to you, Brian. Have you, have you trusted Christ to save you from your sins? Brian, have you, have you repented? Are, are you willing to make Jesus the Lord of everything in your life? Those are the people who get baptized. Is there evidence of a changed heart? And he says, Chad, no, no, I'm not willing to let Jesus to be Lord of my life. Now, that's, not, that's not where I'm at right now. And, and now come to think of it, I should not get baptized. And I said, Brian, that, there would be nothing that would bring me greater joy to see you get baptized. But that would be a reflection of what has taken place in your heart already. You know, one of the exciting things about our baptismal service that we'll have in a couple of moments is that we get to hear a little story from each of them that are getting baptized. Now, some of them are adults and a little bit more articulate. Some of them are young, young men, and, and maybe their testimony is a little bit shorter at this time. But each of these understand that when they're getting baptized, they've already been saved. The grace of God has been extended to them, and they have received His grace. So we see baptism is for those who have trusted Christ already. We also see that baptism, the word baptism, means immersion, it means one that is scripturally baptized is one that is completely under the water. And so when we look through even the Gospels, we see that when Jesus in Mark chapter 1 was baptized, the Scriptures record, and when he came up out of the water. Or in John chapter 3, verse 23, it was said of John the Baptist that he was baptizing at Anan because water was plentiful there. 
If you're going to baptize people, John the Baptist said, we need to find out where there is a lot of people because immersion means we got to put them underneath the water. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 39, it said of the Ethiopian eutych, and when he came up out of the water. So we not only baptize those who have been already saved, already received the grace of God, but we, we fulfill what that word baptism means by making sure that they go completely under the water. I'm grateful to be a part of a church that not only has a pulpit strategically placed in the center of the platform as if to say the most important thing that takes place here is that the Word of God is read and is taught. But we also have a baptism that's right back there at a fixed point as if to say we want to be about fulfilling the Great Commission as well. We've been called to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when we baptize, this is not just the work of Jesus, but it's the entire Godhead. It involves the Father and the Son as well. They are all giving their authority to this. And it also says there that we are to make disciples, not only here of the local church, but we are also to make disciples of the global church. You, You saw it there, and make disciples of all nations. I remember a time when I was in college or seminary, and I went to this church planting conference, and they were handing out these notebooks and and folders, and they all had this print on it, and it said, Global Church Conference. And And I looked at that, and I thought, man, there is a misprint here. They have misspelled global. And they're handing out stacks of these to all these attenders. And I I looked at one of the guys that was from this church, and I pulled off to the side of him, and I said, listen, I think there's been an awful mistake here. You have spelt the word global wrong. You've actually spelt it global. This makes no sense. And this guy looked at me, and I've seen this look a lot in my life. (laughs) You are an idiot, he said. That's a play on words, that a church should be local and global. It's the word glocal, you knucklehead. And I went, shrunk back into my seat. And I think there's some truth to that, that the church is not only to be a local making disciples, but also global and making disciples as well. I mean, that is what the Great Commission says. I was looking at the Joshua Project. It's a website that tracks the different people groups in all of the world. And according to the Joshua Project website, there's approximately 7,000 people groups. And of those 7,000, and that's what the word nations mean, uh, make disciples of all nations is the word people groups, there's roughly 4,400 unreached people groups. That means that these are groups that do not have a consistent gospel witness among them. 4,400. And if I could use any influence that I have within our church, it would be my desire to see that be 4,399. To take one of those people groups and say, as Highland Crest, could we go after that? So there's the Jola people group there in northwest Africa, in Senegal. Last week I announced to you, 
we had gone to that, that island earlier in 2020 and, and the gospel is being received there. And just a couple of weeks ago, there was another team that went out there and shared the gospel and they were receptive to it. Over a hundred people trusted Christ. They were a part of the 4,400 people group, unreached people groups. And could we not be a part of taking the gospel there? So in 2021, as we approved our budget, we said we want to set money aside every month to send some local evangelists, a local church planter that go out to that island to see that a church would be established there. But the local workers have also said there is benefit for you, Chad, to send people from Highland Crest to go back out to that island to proclaim that message. You know what it's like to have a guest to to stand before you behind this pulpit and to proclaim a message. I mean, there are times where, where you get tired of seeing the same person speaking in front of you. And I look over and I see glazed looks. And many of you have those already right now. And if I'm beside you, I'd probably have a glazed look myself. But when you bring someone new and they can proclaim the same message, all of a sudden you're listening differently. Well, loved ones, you and I have an opportunity to do that, to go to be a fresh voice, to say the same things that these other people are saying, that people would hear the gospel and and to disciple them. This is what we are called to do, not only to share the gospel here, but to share the gospel there. And once we do that, we are to baptize them. So then the scripture tells us here, the next part of the Great Commission, it says in verse 20, we are to teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. So go proclaim those who trust Christ, lead them to a saving relationship with him, secondly, baptize them, and then thirdly, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so this is that discipling process where we take them and we teach them what Jesus has done for them and we carry that out. And at Highland Crest, what we have said is we want to do that through our Bible studies. We want to do that through our small groups. And you've got two ways to go there. One, you've got an option of 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock. It meets here before the worship service. And we are asking all the people within our church to join one of those Bible studies. It's here where you're going to learn how to carry out that gospel in your life. It's here when you have a crisis going on that the people within that class can pray for you and minister to you. If that doesn't work for you, then we have a second format. And that's in the evenings on Sundays where we meet in different homes so we have three different homes and one online where, where you can be a part of a small group and with the intention of carrying out the gospel. And in this last year plus, as we've done an honest look with at the heart of our church, we've also seen some other gaps. You know, one of the gaps that we've observed in our church is that when a person does come to faith in Christ, we are asking ourselves, how is it that we are discipling them? This is a responsibility of our church. I'm delighted to tell you that of the people that are getting baptized this morning, as well as Kia that was baptized a few weeks ago, the vast majority of them are in a new class that we've just entitled New Believer Class. And we're just using a small little book called The New Believer's Guide to Effective Christian Living. This little book walks these new believers through what does it look like to be a Christian, 
What sort of fruit should they be looking for now that they are in Christ? What does it mean to read the Bible? What does it mean to pray? What does it mean to go through life's problems with Jesus as the center of your life? What does it mean to to share the gospel with others? What a blessing it is to see these new believers participate in this class. We've also been aware of another gap within our church under this area of teaching them to observe all that I've commanded, and that is developing leaders. Sometimes within a church, you might have your positions already filled, and and you have a person come in, a woman or a man, and they are motivated They are are one of those self-starters and they are eager to learn and they are eager to serve. And you're like, where are we going to put them? As Highland Crest, we've said, you know what we need to do is we need to develop a pipeline to develop these leaders in a place where they can serve. And so for this last year, we've been working on this. Our denomination is something called a leadership pipeline. That's three phases. In phase one, you could take someone and offer them the basics of the faith. What does it mean to be made in the image of God? What does it mean to read the Bible, to teach the Bible? What does it mean to have a sent life? Phase two is how is it you are a leader in the church? Phase three is what does it look like to plant a church? And each one of these phases may take six, nine, or 12 months. But over the last several months, I've been beginning to meet with a few of our young men and beginning and work through phase one. And just recently, a few weeks ago, I took some of our older men that are in the retirement age that I can just get started with that and then hand it off to them. And they can take that pipeline and eventually lead others through that as well. So this is all about trying to develop leaders for the purpose of making disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. And then we're left here with the last part here in verse 20. It says this, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This last sentence is not just a tag-along, that's just a filler, a way to round out the book, but it is massive. Because what Jesus is saying to us is that we are going about on mission with what God has asked us to do. He is accompanying us in this process. It says there, and behold, that language is this pay special attention to what I'm about to tell you. And he says here, I am with you always to the end of the age. He realizes that as we go out and we are attempting to share this message with others, that we might get scared, that we might lack boldness. And so there is this promise that we could pray, God, this mission is your mission. And this mission is more important to you than it is to me. And, and I am scared to talk to this person, but you love this person more than I do. So help me. Help me to share this message. Help me to be truthful with this person and leave the results up to you. You know, sometimes we don't even know what happens. It was just yesterday, Melody and I were visiting with some, a family not connected to our church, and they were telling us their story of how God was working in their heart as a young couple, and, and they just happened to be driving over to someone's house, and they were going to ask this person a question, and, and they never even got to that question because this person was so on mission. He just started asking them questions about the gospel. And you know what? They didn't turn from their sins there in the driveway. 
But they left that driveway and they, they went on with their life and they would go back to that moment several years ago and say that was a turning point. There was someone that was bold enough to just talk to us about sin, talk to us about Jesus, that he had forgiven the sin. And today we are raising our kids in the faith. Today we are committed to a local church. So we don't always know. But the point is, Jesus is with us. As we left this great commission and we we walk in through the book of Acts, what we see is a society that is hostile towards Jesus. In fact, the disciples were ordered not even to preach in the name of Jesus. And do you remember in chapter 12, there was Herod who actually beheaded one of the disciples, James. And by the end of Acts chapter 12, that Herod had his little his own little impeachment service. Instead of there being a Senate and a House of Representatives that impeached him, God brought judgment upon him and took him out. And in spite all of this hostility towards the church and towards Jesus, what we see in the book of Acts is a group of people that were committed to going and making disciples, baptizing them, and teaching them to observe all that Jesus had commanded. And today, that is a template for us. As we look around at our culture and we see a culture that is increasingly hostile towards Jesus and the gospel, what are our marching instructions? To go, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that the Lord Jesus has commanded. Now, as a church, we are not perfect, not even close But on this Sunday, on Valentine's Day of 2021, let us celebrate. Let us celebrate the changed lives that are all around us that are commemorated in these five baptisms. Let us give thanks to the Lord for what he is doing in our midst. Let us pray for these new Christians as they begin their journey of faith. Would you pray with me? And then we're going to have a time where our, our, our music team is going to come up and sing. And let us sing passionately to the Lord, thanking him for the work that he is doing in our church. And then we'll have a chance to observe these, these baptisms. And if you have children that are in the nursery uh, during these next two songs, would you mind just going and get them? I'd love to relieve our nursery workers so they can come in and would love to have our, even our little children observe. This is a big deal to see people get baptized because it, it's about changed lives, people that have received the gospel. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the work that you are doing. Thank you for these simple marching instructions that you have given to the local church. They were given to the 11 disciples They have been given to us to go, to proclaim this message, to be equipped to do this, to see people follow through with baptism, a symbol that they have died to Christ and are alive in this new life that you have given to us. Lord, we pray that this message would go forth and that we would be faithful to disciple the the new believers you'd come. But even today... We pray that there are people here that would want to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and they would turn from their sins and place their faith in what Jesus has done on their behalf and then you would see more people 
being equipped to go out and be a part of the gospel harvest. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.